0: Welcome to HSBC Talks Business, the podcast series that brings together business leaders and industry experts to explore the latest global insights, trends, and opportunities. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes. Thanks for listening. And now, on to today's show.
1: Welcome to HSBC Talks Business. I'm Natalie Blythe, Global Head of Sustainability for HSBC Commercial Banking. And Today I'm joined by guests who hold biodiversity, natural capital close to their hearts and minds from the worlds of business, finance and policy. Today's businesses are operating against the backdrop of a climate emergency posing, quite frankly, an existential threat, rising inequality and species dying out at a rate not seen since the last mass extinction 66 million years ago. We're using 60% more of the Earth's resources than it can regenerate every year and this is just not sustainable and will ultimately lead to system collapse. Our beautiful blue planet will not be able to support the life as we know it. Rather timely, post COP 15, we're here to discuss corporate action as we strive to meet global biodiversity needs and amplify the role nature plays in delivering net zero. So I'd like to welcome our guests, Natalie Bourgeois, who leads finance markets task force and engagement at the TNFD. That's the Task Force on Nature and Related Financial Disclosures. Hi, I'm very happy to be here with you today. Fantastic, Natalie. I'd like to introduce Greg Bora, Director of Natural Capital at Walmart. Hi,
0: Natalie. Thanks for inviting me.
1: You are welcome. Um, and also joining is our, my fellow colleague, Marine de Bazelaire, Group Advisor on Natural Capital for our Corporate Sustainability at HSBC.
2: Hi, everyone. Merci and great to be together.
1: So let's kick off and start, you know, to help our listeners. Let's provide some definition clarity. Maureen, I know this topic's been close to your heart for a very long time. So could you start us off by just supplying some definitions around nature, biodiversity, natural capital? What's at stake here? How do we put a value and a price on it?
2: Well, sure. Thanks, Natalie. It's important to start from the start. So, uh, exactly what are we talking about? So, nature. Well, it's quite easy. It, res- it refers to uh, the four realms, meaning land, ocean, fresh water, and atmosphere. And so, what do we mean by natural capital? Um, here, it refers to stocks of natural-related assets. It includes geology, soil, water, root uh, um, and other living organisms. Um, that capital gives rise to what we call flows of benefits to people in the economy. Another word for that is ecosystem services, like crop pollination, water purification, flood protection, etc. And biodiversity is what enables those ecosystem services delivered by nature to be productive, resilient, and adaptable. The value of ecosystem services to the economy are estimated to be worth $33 trillion a year. You know very well that value doesn't mean uh, price. And most of the value incurred by ecosystem services is not priced in economic models. And actually, as a consequence, biodiversity is degrading at an unprecedented rate, as you said earlier. And this poses a systemic risk to the global economy. And this is what needs to be addressed now.
1: Thank you, Maureen. It's just a month after that UN Biodiversity Conference known as COP15, a landmark meeting. I'm going to ask all three of you for your reflections there. You know, Did we get that Paris moment for biodiversity? What were your key takeaways? Natalie, do you want to kick in first from a policy and a corporation angle viewpoint from the TNFP? Yeah, very happy to do
3: that. Um, well, the good thing about CAF first is that it got signed. So that's the first big achievement. So that's point number one, very important. Now we have an agreement. And this agreement is strong. At first, this agreement has an objective of 2030. It's in seven years seven years, not 10, like it's used to be, seven years. So we don't have that much time to meet those objectives. So we have to have that date in mind, very important. Um, What's in this uh, COP15? It tells us that by 2030, 30% of all land, all waters need to be protected globally. That's an enormous step. It tells us that we should reduce by half entrance um in agriculture and we should reduce by half food waste those things are incredibly important and also point us towards specific sectors you know the agri-food sector which is incredibly important when we're talking about nature and biodiversity there
1: so you know that's that's what I take out of COP15. I'm thrilled Natalie so we got there we got that 30 by 30 by 2030 um Maureen, do you want to pitch in you were there um, and
2: comment on the role of finance and their commitments? Yes, absolutely. I mean, And yes, we have an agreement. And for finance and large corporates, I think there's a key target, which is Target 15, which in itself makes it mandatory for large corporate and financial institutions to assess, manage and report on their impact, dependencies and risks linked to nature, along the value chain it's really much mirroring what the tnfd is doing and it's actually potentially be a game changer for the global economy i mean the private sector attention to nature's cup is skyrocketing i met someone at the uh, COP who actually was there for COP 14 that took place four years ago because it was postponed for two years and actually she told me that there were less than 10 in Montreal, there were more than 100 financial institutions, more than 1,000 corporates. Thank you, Maureen. And Greg, Walmart's obviously been a
1: trailblazer for sustainability, and it's really leading the charge when it comes to natural capital as well. Can can we get the viewpoint from, from the corporate perspective, please?
0: Sure. Yeah. A a couple of things to to build on. One, as Marine said, you know, there's huge interest from, from the the private sector in this. And I think that was a really, really good takeaway because climate and for good reason kind of dominates the sustainability discussion. But we really face twin, twin crises, right? The climate crisis and uh, nature loss crisis. And so to see the engagement from the private sector, to see companies uh, standing up and saying, we're, we're committed to making a difference here. And joining in the discussion and then coming out with a signed agreement, uh, that was really, I think, elevating, uh, nature to the level it needs to be, uh, which is that it's material, it's important, uh, and that companies really need to step up and, and take it just as seriously as, as emission reductions. So that was one thing that I think was, but the, the other thing that I want to mention is that, you know, in addition to that, uh, 30 by 30 target, There was sort of an opening of scope about what conservation means, including other effective conservation measures in that. So not just, you know, thinking of uh, conservation as a setting aside into a park or protect the wilderness area, but thinking about conservation as integrated into communities' lives, uh, particularly those of indigenous communities that are doing great work in protecting natural resources that don't always get uh, recognized for it. So to see that come through in this agreement uh, as a major piece of of it was really quite exciting.
1: Thanks, Greg. So for our listeners, that's a great snapshot there on the COP15 biodiversity framework and the critical efforts to halt and reverse biodiversity loss. Natalie, if I can spin around to you now and let's get a little bit more of a discussion going on your TNFD mandate and mission And if you can elaborate and explain to the audience, how do you think TNFD can help businesses understand their dependency on natural capital? Sure.
3: So TNFD, the Task Force on Nature-Related Financial Disclosures, uh, our mission is to make the financial flows from um, nature negative to nature positive. For that, we have 40 task force members, which are 40 very large um, corporates around the world. Among them. HSBC, and thank you, Marine, for being uh, one of our uh, distinguished task force members. The 40 task force members hold the pen and do draft our framework. Our framework is both a risk management framework and a disclosure framework. And what it does, that framework, it is there as a tool to help corporates and financial institutions understand, guide them in their approach to nature. So how uh, businesses depend on nature, how businesses impact nature, how do they, because a number of businesses impact nature more than others. Um, This needs to be understood Globally, in our economic activity, we need to become more nature smart. It has to come into the decisions. And TNFD does precisely that, gives guidance for very large sectors as to what to look at, what is material when it comes to nature. So that's what we hope will make a market that is nature wise
1: or nature smart. That's fantastic. So really putting that spotlight on the fragility and the dependencies businesses have on these natural systems, um, really critical, thank you. Um, So moving to Greg, looking at it from a business angle, I know Walmart have been sort of really pushing away here. Can you just explain to us what the commitments are that you've made um, publicly around nature and then where you've managed to experience some meaningful progress and what challenges there are that remain?
0: Yeah, happy to. Walmart's a very big company. We're the world's largest retailer. We're Fortune One. Uh, We employ more than 2 million associates worldwide and we have operations in North America, Central and South America, Asia, Africa, um, hundreds of millions of people depend on us uh to deliver on our motto, which is that by shopping with us, they will save money and live better. Um and that motto has has been around for a long time and we've set science-based targets uh for climate change, um, and sourcing 20 key commodities more sustainably by 2025. But that motto has sort of evolved a little bit. We've more recently begun to understand it at a deeper level, particularly the live better piece of it. Um, and recently, in, in 2020, uh, our CEO, Doug McMillan, uh, publicly set us on a path to becoming a regenerative company. Uh, and what that means is, is, is Walmart intends to become a company that places humanity and nature at the center of our business practices and commits to doing this business in a way that creates shared value and positive outcomes. Along with that sort of directional commitment came a, a time-bound KPI, right? So we like those um, to be able to hold ourselves accountable. Uh, and that, is, that uh, is to address the nature crisis um, and that Walmart and the Walmart Foundation will help protect, restore, and more sustainably manage 50 million acres of land and 1 million square miles of ocean. Beach. And I actually represent walmart.org, which is the philanthropic giving of both Walmart and Walmart Foundation. And I make investments in the human and organizational capacity of critical production landscapes, right, where nature intersects with the supply chain. So I take insights from the business about barriers and opportunities in the supply chain around sustainability. And I make investments, grant investments uh, that are public benefit that will help all supply chain actors in a landscape accelerate action and impact. So we have projects ranging from sustainably sourced tuna in the Marshall Islands, uh, regeneratively grown popcorn and feed for cattle in Nebraska, sustainable grazing across the Western US. Uh, sustainably irrigated price in arkansas i mean there's a huge list of that but what i'm really excited for is that those are opening price points right for our customers those are the the products that if you have a limited income you're looking product a category to be able to to buy uh, the products that you need and our great value brands remember mark's brands serve that opening price point and we don't we don't think that sustainability should be relegated to premium products. We think it should be across the whole product category. And so by making these investments in our private brands, I'm really excited for us to be able prove out that sustainability is just part of doing good business and being able to deliver on that motto of save money and live better that Walmart uh, has at the center of our business. Um, Challenges are that supply chains, some of them are very fungible, right? That you got commodities that are undifferentiated, hard to trace back. You don't know where they're coming from. That presents a unique challenge, but we're working through it and we're making great progress.
1: I think it's absolutely great to see what Walmart's doing. Um, I mean, recognizing that the, fin- the planet's resources are finite and that they're shared by all of us. Um, every soul is sort of equal so you're trying to get it down into the sort of the opening pricing positions as well uh, the regenerative nature is fantastic and quite frankly with so many dependencies on you you're systemic um, so we need walmart to flourish so good luck to you are there any particular in the agriculture space any areas of particular commodities that you think have got the, the greatest immediate potential result to try and tackle now?
0: Yeah, I think that the commodities where there's a closer connection between the, the consumer and the producer, um, that's where you have some uh, abilities for real direct interventions. And that would be commodities uh, like fresh produce, uh, cotton, rice, beef, wheat, those kind of things where it's a cut of steak or it's a bag of flour or it's literally a vegetable that you go and, and pick off the shelf the customer sort of has a mental uh connection to the farmer through that right like you 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 know where an orange comes from it comes from a tree somebody had to grow and and, and pick it right and also with that uh comes a more direct connection through the supply chain so, uh, especially in fresh produce, we know where, where, it's coming from for food safety reasons. We have great traceability in that sector. So we are able to send a strong market signal down through that, um, that fairly close supply chain to the farmer, to the producer and say, Hey, these are the things that we're looking for that our customers are demanding and that we want to be able to invest in the sustainability. Of the natural capital of soil and water resources for the long-term resiliency. So we've had some challenges along the way. I'm not going to you know, sugarcoat it, especially on those fungible commodities like corn and soy, where it's the demand signal down to the producer is a lot less clear, but um, we've seen some great successes with ones where there's a tighter uh, connection between the, the end consumer and the, the producer of the product. The commodity.
1: Greg, that's really insightful. So for our listeners, really pay attention to where you've got that close consumer connection and then think ecosystem-wise, come together, collaborate and come up with creative innovation to, to drive a, a sort of flourishing future. Marine, so we're moving from one systemic entity to another. HSBC, given the geographic footprint, given the role financing has to play um, and how we allocate our capital, our sort of customer base, as well as the geographic footprint. Can you sort of elaborate, please, and give a, a viewpoint on um, HSBC's commitments um, when it comes to biodiversity and how that fits into our overall transition to net zero strategy, please?
2: And HSBC is committed to understand where the issue lies uh, within our overall activity. And and that's the first and important point. Uh, To do so, we have volunteered to join the TNFD as uh, Natalie mentioned earlier, we are one of the 40 members of the TNFD and uh, we are participating to um, uh, creating a a framework that is fit for purpose for us and for large corporates, for them to uh, um, assess, manage and report on their uh, impact and dependency, risks and opportunities thanks to nature. That's very important. We're also an active participant of the Biodiversity Working Group of the uh, Banking Environment Alliance that was created by CISL, the Cambridge Institute on Sustainability Leadership. Um, And we are contributing with them to um, understand how financial institutions assess those risks and um, actually conducting a few uh, pilots uh, on part of our loan book to understand how it reacts to uh, water curtailments or other things like that. Um, we are not starting from nowhere. Um, TNFDs and CISL are not our starting point. I mean, we have had policies related to forests, agricultural commodities, world heritage sites and Ramsar wetlands for quite a long time. Actually, the first has been released in 2004. But since then we committed. To be net zero. And that was back into uh, 11. And uh, we quickly understood that there is no net zero without halting nature loss and that our existing policies were not fit for purpose. They were not meant to address that um, net zero target. And so we need to update them. And uh, we have committed to release one dedicated to deforestation. Uh, at the moment, we're actively working on it. Uh, but back to your Question uh, on where the risk currently sits uh, in our portfolio, well, on deforestation specifically, most of our exposure lies within the value chain of our customers. I mean, echoing what Greg said uh, with Walmart and um, more than in actually in the own operation of our customers as we do not finance heavily farmers within HSBC, except in a few geographies, but uh, we are one of the leading bank when it comes to trade. So it's material to us. Uh, And so we need to address this part of our portfolio to help shift the value chains from harmful to positive impact on forests.
1: Thanks, Maureen. So summarizing, really what you're saying is there is no achievement of net zero without us all collectively addressing biodiversity and nature loss. And we all know supply chains are absolutely central to to all of this and the whole ecosystem. Natalie, if I can turn to you now again on TNFD's framework that's coming out in September, can you tell us a little bit more about what we should be expecting to see? Um, And then also, as you've been going through the consultation periods and the development, what feedback have you had from sort of businesses and financial institutions? Okay, we've
3: had already a uh, beta uh, version of our framework come out last March. Several versions have come uh, that are refinement, improvements, additions to this uh, March beta. The final one will be out in September end of September 2023. It will include between 15 to 20 disclosure recommendations, modeled um, as the disclosure, the recommendations of the TCFD, Task Force on Climate, not nature, but climate financial disclosures that most people are very familiar with. In those disclosure recommendations, I'd like to echo what has been said just a moment ago There will be a disclosure about value chains because we think supply chains are something incredibly important for nature. Um, And so what we want is that people, uh, corporates, financial institutions, look at the value chain upstream and downstream and be able to understand how nature interplays with the value chain. Because, and particularly in developed I would say in developed markets, a lot of the, uh, the nature play comes through the value chain. So in September, we'll have those 15 to 20 recommendations, but more than that, we'll have a full tool um, on guidance as to how do you become nature smart about your sector, your industry, uh, because we will give guidance for uh, different sectors as to what is material to that sector, what are the metrics that make sense for that sector. We're providing an approach to nature, the approach really to develop nature strategies, for example, to become more pertinent vis-a-vis nature, to change your business model. What would you change your business model if you don't understand why you do so? So the first thing is to understand, identify the dependency on nature, identify the impact on nature, and develop strategies to um, reduce both, reduce the impact, reduce the dependency, uh, make your business smarter vis-a-vis that. And of course, understand how it plays in terms of your own value and what are your new opportunities because it will certainly, and it is already um, bringing up new business models, new possibilities, new opportunities.
1: No, I think that's great. I think you've put your finger on it. Absolutely. I mean, this is a, is a foundation. Um, I think it's great that you're going to be coming out with sort of sector and industry specific guidelines and encouraging people to look at that full value chain and the interplay with sort of um, nature. And I think that leads us nicely on to talk about some more of these enablers to deliver on these biodiversity ambitions, because um, we know that data financing, facilitation and partnerships are going to be absolutely key. So, marine, in terms of investment and financing solutions, what innovation developments are we seeing in the marketplace um, designed to unlock positive momentum and outcomes for natural
0: capital?
2: Thanks, Nathalie. Well, I think that before talking about innovation, uh, we can already state that we have existing frameworks that are already helping financial institutions in their discussion with customers uh, on nature related issue. I think about the sustainability link bond framework, which already includes biodiversity-linked key performance indicators. Building from those, we see a few nature impact framework arising. On our side, we are working on a mangrove bond framework, for example, with the Nature Conservancy in Australia, or a regenerative Pine oil framework with WWF. Um, th- these this framework specifically can be helpful in different instances, being it for loans, bonds, but also, uh, for, uh, supply chain financing. Um, it's the same then for, uh, sustainability link loans. Here, the interest rates varies according to whether the company reach specific nature positive outcomes. So we've clarified what, um, could be um, the right um, uh, key performance indicators that would make uh, already sustainable um, pine oil plantation, that is RSPO certified, to be qualified as regenerative palm oil. Uh, so it's really to um, uh, also have a discussion about um, what does it mean not only to help nature loss, but also to reverse nature loss. So um, there are also an increasing number of opportunities for investors uh, to, to de-risk their investment from biodiversity. Um, and um, uh, there's like data providers that are creating uh, aggregation uh, of um, datas data that enables to uh, differentiate within a specific sectors, which uh, corporates are um, more exposed to nature-related risks compared uh, to others. Um, at HSBC, we have actually launched a um, biodiversity exchange-traded fund um, that tracks the company biodiversity performance and avoids the ones uh, that are most exposed to nature loss.
1: Thanks, Maureen. Greg, continuing on these sort of financing solutions. HSBC and Walmart have, have worked glove in hand um, to try and solve some of these issues. Can you give um, some sort of um, expand your thoughts on where you see finance and access to capital playing a role for the multinationals such as yourself?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and it's a critical one because at the end of the day, Walmart is a is a retailer, right? Like we buy products and then and, and customers buy them from us. Um, and the ability to finance, um, or provide the capital necessary for the long-term investments that nature really requires is limited. Uh, so we were, we can send market demand signals. You know, we have the, the, the power of the purchase order. But at the end of the day, we're limited in this case uh, to make these long-term improvements, and so finance can fill that gap in a really interesting and unique way. And, and you know, the, we're very proud of the work that we've done with HSBC on uh, on some of the supplier sustainability finance and um, uh, offering. Uh, well, HSBC offers a, a product to uh, to our suppliers who have demonstrated that they are. Uh, you know, investing in solutions for, for emissions and, and re, and reducing, um, greenhouse gases. Um, and that's our, you know, Walmart supply, sustainable supply chain finance program, uh, that we started in 2019, uh, encouraging suppliers, uh, who are reducing those emissions to get improved, uh, financing rates, uh, if they're, Investing it, at least in one of the six pillars that are part of Project Gigaton, which we haven't spent a lot of time talking about, but it's our reporting platform for emissions reductions from suppliers. Uh, and in 2021, that collaboration expanded to where HSBC offers enhanced financing and early invoice payments for Walmart's uh, private brand suppliers who set science based emission targets, uh, which is great. So we've continued to grow that program. Uh, our suppliers love it. Uh, we're really pleased with the with the growth that we've seen and uptake on that program, and I think it really makes a uh, the case for a effective combination pairing finance with market demand, right? So uh, unlocking more affordable capital from lenders who want to invest in the resiliency of their customers. Um, backed by the knowledge that there's a stable market for the products, um, that the company will produce more sustainably. So that's us, right? We're that market. So it's just really exciting that, that, that we've been able to partner in that way. And I think that there's a lot of opportunities still on the table, um, for getting. So I'm excited for the innovations coming down the pipe. I'm excited to work with HSBC more. I'm excited to unlock new models for the financial system and, and everybody as a whole. But I think it's critical. I don't think we can do it unless uh, we 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 make those innovations happen.
1: I think you're right. Um, I mean, we we are running t- tight on time. But I think if we can crack drilling down into deep tier supply chain financing, putting humanity and nature at the center, we will also really be able to drive um, financial inclusion as well, which hits a whole load of other sort of um, societal goals that we need need to address too. Um, I'm going to sort of jump really to, given we've only got a couple of minutes left, is to just invite each of you to sort of um, have 90 seconds or so on what would be your key advice to the audience here um, or your one takeaway. Um, As concise as possible, um, but uh, go for it. Natalie, can I start with you? Then we'll go to Maureen and Greg.
3: What I would say to whoever is listening is, um, well, act now. Now is the time. That's the takeaway.
1: Now. <laughs> the real urgency there. That That is brilliant. Thank you,
2: Natalie. Marine. Yes. You need to understand the relation of your business model with nature. And so I would encourage you to test, test, test the TNFD pilot. Ecosystems at work here and break.
0: i love this lightning round um so this this week that we're recording it started with uh martin luther king day uh in the us and so uh, we had a celebration at walmart and there's a quote there that was offered from martin luther king if you can't fly then run if you can't run then walk if you can't walk then crawl but whatever you do you have to keep moving forward and the point of that is it doesn't matter how big you are, how small you are, what your exposure to nature is. You have something, right? You have something that you can do. Identify what that is. Identify how you rely on nature at your company. Figure out what the interventions could be and start acting on it. It doesn't have to be huge. Just start. Um, and that's really the call that we're trying to make to all our suppliers and, and, and across the many geographies in which we have a footprint. Just start. Uh, And we have so many things on offer through our sustainability hub uh, online that tools that can help you on that journey. Please just join us on it and and just get started.
1: That is fantastic. So I'm pretty confident that this conversation is going to continue and develop over the year ahead and maybe we should regroup in the future. So a big thank you to Natalie, Greg and Maureen. Thank you all.
0: Thank you for joining us at HSBC Talks Business. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please do subscribe to the HSBC Talks Business Channel to stay up to date with new episodes.